G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Let me ask you something. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It's a concept that frankly carries quite a bit of baggage around with it. Well, I'm telling you the truth, I'm not all that interested in the baggage. I just want to know what God has to say about it. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today, as you might have guessed, we're going to be opening God's Word together to see what He means when He talks about us being filled with the Spirit. And do stay tuned, because in just a few moments, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life just at the moment. Great to be with you again this week. And today we're continuing in this series of messages called Walking in the Spirit. You know, I often think about this. It's kind of strange to me how God sets things up. He himself is spirit. We can't actually see him or touch him or hear him here in the physical dimension where you and I live. Now, of course, at one time in history, he stepped into the physical dimension when Jesus came and dwelt among us. But that was 2,000 years ago, and whilst we can read about who Jesus is and what he has to say and, and what he does, we can't experience God in the physical dimension in the same way as those people did way back then. So now we have something of a dilemma. God lives in a dimension that is spiritual, and you and I, we live in a dimension that's physical. How do we communicate with God? How do we know not just about him, but how do we know him? Well, fortunately, that's something that God thought about. And to do that, he sent us his Holy Spirit, one of the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. See, this problem happened the moment Jesus was set to depart from this world. The physical God departing, leaving what? Well, fortunately, leaving behind the Holy Spirit. And this is the promise that Jesus made to his disciples, the ones who were to become the apostles who would spread his good news throughout the known world. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. He said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. So Jesus promised to send his Holy Spirit to those who believed in him with their lives. And in fact, in those final days and hours before he was crucified, there's something that he promised again and again, that through the Spirit of God, the Father and the Son would come to make their home in us. Now, now you and I, we have a body, we have a soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and deep down we have a spirit. And it's at this level that the Holy Spirit connects with us. So after Jesus was risen again, and just before he ascends into heaven and leaves his disciples behind, he gives them this instruction, Acts chapter 1, 
beginning at verse 4. He ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptised you with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, the disciples, as it turned out, thought that was fine, but that wasn't the most important thing on their mind. You see, Jesus was the Messiah, and to a Jew in the first century, that meant something like a warrior king like David of old, to boot out the Romans from occupying the land and to restore the king of Israel. The disciples, despite three and a half years with Jesus, were more interested in what was going to happen in the physical dimension of their lives rather than the spiritual dimension. Have a listen to the exchange between them and Jesus, between the physical concerns of the disciples and the spiritual priorities of Jesus. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you'll restore the kingdom of Israel? And he replied, It's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Do you see that? See, they were interested in perhaps the most important thing from their perspective. So, so when is God finally going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus brushes them off because he didn't come to restore the kingdom of Israel. He came to usher in the kingdom of God, and that's spiritual, not physical. Again, have a listen to what Jesus had said earlier on this subject. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 20. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, the kingdom of God isn't coming with things that can be seen, nor will they say, look, here it is, or or, there it is, for in fact the kingdom of God is among you. Now Jesus, in the very last thing that he said to them before he left them and ascended into heaven, he wasn't so much interested in the physical dimension. His priority for them, these men who would go on to found the church, his real concern is that they should have spiritual power from God in them. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why is that? Why is this Jesus' greatest concern? Because he knew that without the power of God, without the witness and communication and encouragement and guidance of the Holy Spirit, these men simply wouldn't be able to do the things that they were called to do. You read the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which in my view should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, and what you see is that these men came across horrendous opposition. They were called on to do mighty things, and many of those things were miraculous. They went way beyond the ability of 11 men. And Jesus knew that if these men had power from on high, if they were filled with the Spirit of God, they could do whatever God needed them to do, and then some. And friend, that's how it is with us. We think sometimes it's all up to me, my gifts, my abilities, my hard work. And hey, I'm not knocking any of that. But even as I sit here and share these things of God with you, I know. I mean, I know beyond any shadow of any doubt that I couldn't do what I'm doing if it weren't for the power of the Holy Spirit. See, part of walking in the Spirit is being filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that we have the power to do what God called us to do. 
The power to resist the evil one. The power to overcome temptation. The power to love those who abuse us. The power to die to self. The power to take up our cross every day and follow Jesus. Friend, those things take power. They take power that is way beyond any of us. And it's for that reason that God sent his spirit to dwell in us. Now, after the break, we're going to see how the Spirit of God, even before he came upon these men in power, guided them in the physical dimension. (laughs) That's the exciting thing. The spiritual and the physical dimensions aren't two separate things. As the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he gives us the guidance and the power that we need to operate for God's glory right here in this physical world in which you and I live. See, that's the exciting bit. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Just as we take this short break, I'd like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would absolutely love to pray for you. Because the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could also pray for one or two others and leave them a word or two of encouragement. You can be such a mighty blessing to so many others by supporting them in this way. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So please, let us pray for you and with you, and let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. All right, let's head back into God's Word to see what else He has for us today. Now, it's, it's kind of fine to talk about walking in the Spirit. It's fine to talk about having power. And a little later, we're going to see how the Spirit was poured out. But what about the rubber hits the road stuff? What about the next step, the next decision you and I have to make? How does the Holy Spirit guide us? How can we know what the Holy Spirit wants us to do? How can we seek him out and discover God's good and perfect will for us? Well, that's what we're going to look at right now. We saw before the break how Jesus ordered the disciples to stay in Jerusalem and await the power that God would pour out upon them. At that point, he ascended into heaven. So there they were over the coming days waiting in Jerusalem. And it occurred to them that they were now down to 11 disciples as a result of the ignominious exit of Judas Iscariot. And they had to do something about that. So here's how it unfolds. If you have a Bible, grab it. We're going to read from Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up amongst the believers together with a crowd numbered about 120 people. And he said, friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share of the ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, all his bowels gushed out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that the field was called, in their language, Hakeldama, which means field of blood. 
For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead become desolate, and let there be no one to live in it, and let another take his position of overseer. So, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own way. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. Can I tell you something? This is a passage of scripture that I have struggled with for a long time because me, I've always been taught if, if I want to know God's will, well, the place to discover that is in God's word, the Bible. And that's true. I mean, that's what they did. They went back to the psalm and read that they had to replace Judas. But many of the time when I've been facing a particular challenge or dilemma, and, and surprise, surprise, in the very next chapter of whatever book of the Bible I happen to be reading at the time, in the very next bit, something leaps out at me and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and I just know what God wants me to do. I'm sure if you believe in Jesus and you're someone who listens to him through his word, that that's something that's happened to you on more than one occasion because God speaks to us first and foremost through his word and right here, smack bang in the middle of his word, the 11 apostles, the guys who spent three and a half years at the Jesus School of Discipleship, the best theological seminary anyone ever will go to, these guys, to make a decision, cast lots. How did they do that? Well, we don't know. Maybe they flipped a coin. Heads, Joseph wins. Tails, Matthias wins. And hey, presto, it came up tails, so Matthias becomes apostle number 12. Now, friend, doesn't that strike you as just a bit odd? I mean, why didn't they go to the scriptures to decide between the two? No, no. They flipped a coin to make one of the most important decisions in the history of the church. A coin? Give me a break! Why didn't they take a vote amongst the 120 or so Jesus followers who were in that room at the time? That's probably what most churches would do today. No, no. They cast lots. Well, doesn't that just take the cake? What's God trying to say to you and me through this? Because all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's what 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says. Well, Here's what this scripture has done for me. It's opened my mind to the creativity of the Holy Spirit in speaking to me and guiding me and making his will known in my life. I remember being convicted of sin one day when I was watching a family movie. God spoke so powerfully to me through what one character was doing. It's like God held a mirror up to my face and said, Bernie, that's you. And over the years... I've discovered that the Spirit nudges us and guides us and encourages us and, and convicts us in so many different ways. I am doing what I'm doing right now, sharing the love of Christ with many people across the globe, because one man came up to me at a conference and spoke some words to me, and without any shadow of a doubt, I know that I know that I know that I know that God was speaking to me through this humble, gentle man. Is the Bible my absolute authority for truth? Absolutely. Do I need to discern experiences and things people say to me and impressions I have from this or from that? 
for sure. Test all things, the Bible says. But friend, as we journey along our path, walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is with us every moment of every day. He is with us. And if we'll open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears to him, he will speak to us. Am I suggesting we discern God's will by flipping a coin? Probably not. But hey, it's in the Bible. So the last thing I'm going to do is tell God what's appropriate and what's not. Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, then head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands of people already have. And the most common response? Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Okay, let's head straight back into the Word of God. Okay, God's guidance doesn't always happen the way we expect. And speaking of the unexpected, right now, I'd like to spend some time sharing with you the story of when, as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the believers. Again, can I say, in our experience, especially can I say for those who, like me, have something of a conventional, spiritually narrow Western mindset, This is pretty way out there too. So join me as we have a listen to what God is up to on the day of Pentecost. If you have a Bible, grab it. We're going to read from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now, there were devout Jews there from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites and and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, Look, they're filled with new wine. 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. Let it be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these men aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they'll prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this is quite an event. I mean, I've had a few really powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit but never anything quite like this. A powerful sound like a rushing wind and, and then these flames of fire resting on everyone and, and all of them, all of them speaking in foreign languages. And all the different nationalities there could understand the good news of Jesus in their own language. And of course, the first thing, the very first thing that happens when God does something powerful and unusual like this is that everyone else has to poke fun and to criticise what's going on. Oh, they must be drunk. Well, sorry, buddy. I, I know they perhaps looked a little intoxicated, but they were all Galileans speaking in different languages. Being drunk certainly doesn't explain that. I mean, it doesn't, right? So what do we do with this? Well, the Apostle Peter gets up to explain what's going on. He explains to the Jews assembled that, hey, th this is exactly what God promises in the Old Testament, that all of these powerful things would happen. And in fact, if you were to read on, you discover that after he finished speaking, many of the people there gave their lives to Christ. Many of the very same people who only weeks before were crying out to Pontius Pilate, crucify him. See, there's a clash here between the conventional, what normally happens in the physical dimension, and the spiritual, the, the supernatural. And it was a surprise to everyone. I mean, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you'll know that there are some who say, OK, well, what happened there back there 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost? It was absolutely a one-off. It was the first time God poured his spirit out. Fair enough, he did something powerful. And then there are some others of so-called charismatic and Pentecostal persuasions who claim that God is still doing mighty, powerful things like this today. What do you make of it? Well, God's word is clear. If we don't have the Spirit of Christ, then we don't belong to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. And yet at the same time, there are plenty of people who have the Spirit, but where the Spirit hasn't been unleashed in power in their lives. See, these apostles, uneducated bumpkins, most of them, went on to do the most amazing things for Christ. They had so much opposition. They preached the gospel. So many people came to Jesus through them. And in fact, the church around the globe, a few billion people are Christ followers today because of the start that the church got from these disciples. And most of them, they ended up dying for him in the end because the power was unleashed in their lives by the Holy Spirit on that day. They did what they did. They could only do what they do because they were filled to overflowing with the spirit and the presence and the power of God. Jesus promised to baptise us in the Holy Spirit. He did. And the wonderful thing 
is that this baptism, this, this drenching in the Spirit, happens in different ways in different people's lives. God knows we're different. God knows that you and I are totally different people. God is going to touch you and fill you with his Spirit in a way that he knows will work for you. And that way may be totally different to the way that God deals with me. You know something? I don't have a problem with that. I mean, God's God. God gets to decide what he does, how he does it, when he does it. And I am not going to sit there and point fingers at other people and say, well, God did it differently over there. They must be wrong. It's not how God does it. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that, in fact, we are filled with the Spirit. The important thing is that the power of God is unleashed in our lives so that we can live a life that brings glory to him, a life that bears fruit, a life that has an eternal impact in the lives of other people. Don't you reckon that's the most important thing? It's what God's word says, and God's heart is to see his power and his might unleashed in you and unleashed in me as his spirit drenches us and utterly transforms us and unleashes the power of God through us in a lost and hurting world. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. Securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.